Well, good morning, everyone, and I welcome you all to Berean Calvary Chapel. I'm glad you're here. What a blessing it is to be together as a church family, isn't it? Uh, in between services, we're going to be having a graduate reception, and these are all of our young people that are graduating from high school and also from college, and we encourage you to come down in between services and uh, join them, that we might be able to encourage them in their future. It's a very special time, you know, when you graduate, and... Uh, some of us might remember when we graduated from high school, it was like, things never go back. It's amazing. Um, I think that's all the announcements I have to make. Let's pray. Father, I come before you in Jesus' name, and I thank you so much for your Holy Spirit and for the way he's able to guide and direct our lives. Because, Father, we don't know which way to go. We don't know what to do. We just need to be led by you. And we thank you, Father, for the ministry that you've given each one of us, not just the pastor, but each one of us. And I pray that we would fulfill that ministry according to your purpose. And now, Lord, I pray that you would come and anoint and use me to minister your word to your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I want to thank all of you for the sympathy in relationship to the death of my brother. Um, it was an, an amazing thing because Vi and I went out to visit him for a couple of days. He was in the VA hospital. And um, both days we were there. He was talkative. He stood up. He hugged us. And um, even, you know, the, the last day we were, we were there, uh, we were able to be with him and talk with him. And we also had a chance to become reacquainted with uh, uh, our nieces and nephews, my brother's children, and also his grandchildren, and also his great-grandchildren. So we had quite a nice reunion of family that I hadn't seen for, for years. And uh, it was just amazing because the day Vi and I drove home, we probably weren't home an hour when we received a phone call that he went to be with the Lord. And it was wonderful that we had an opportunity to really encourage him in the faith, and, and he said that he was trusting in the Lord, and uh, so we you know, are confident that he's in heaven, and one day we'll all be together again anyway. And then, of course, the excitement didn't end there, then the Next day, I started dealing with uh, some problems. But you know, what it made me think about is the fact that our trust isn't in our health or even in this life. Our trust is in Him. Every one of us, you know, are going to, barring the rapture, and, and I really believing the rapture is close at hand, but barring the rapture, every one of us deal with sickness and, and, and health problems and maybe even death. And this is why our focus always has to be on Him. Because we never know when we're going to step out of this present life into eternity. And uh, it's a joy to have that promise. And Paul, you know, the Apostle Paul said, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that is always the attitude that each one of us need to have. Because in our Christian walk, we're going to find many difficulties, many struggles, many trials. But if we look to the Lord, He always gives the answer. We can walk in triumphant procession in the Lord. It's absolutely amazing. So we are in Joshua. Frank gave the introduction last week, and uh, he actually went to verse 4, but I'm going to be covering the, the whole first chapter of Joshua. And um, I believe this portion is very relevant at, as it is a, a call um, of a believing father, I believe, 
to lead his family. You know, you and I aren't leading the tribes of Israel, but we have families that we're leading. We have friends that, and acquaintances that we have an opportunity to direct in the Lord. And so it's important for us to be a good leader, to be a good witness for the Lord. Because a good leader has to always be open to advice. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing worse when you're in the military and you have a commanding officer or even a, a you know, superior um, you know, non-commissioned officer who won't listen to anything. Everything has to be their way. And so if we want to be led by the Lord and used of the Lord, the greatest thing that we need to hang on to is we have to be willing to hear from other people and be willing to take their advice. It's an awesome thing to do. So we are in Joshua chapter 1. And it's interesting because, um, for those of us that are old, Joshua was 80 years old when he led the people into the promised land. 80. That's older than me. I mean, how amazing is that? And God is able to use us no matter where we are. And the reason we know he was 80, if you want to turn with me to Joshua chapter 14, because some of you might be thinking, where did he get 80 from? Go to Joshua chapter 14 and go to verse 8. Joshua 14 and verse 8. And it says, Nevertheless, my brethren, uh, nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Remember, Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land. That's what he's talking about here. And they went in and they spied out the land, and 10 of them gave a bad report. Only Joshua and Caleb gave a good report. Ten of them gave a bad report, and it caused the hearts of the people, as he says here, to melt. And so they failed to enter in. And this is an important um, fact in, in figuring out Joshua's age at the time uh, he, he entered in, is that uh, they wandered for 40 years from the time that Joshua uh, and Caleb and the ten other spies went into the promised land. So... Um, so that was 40 years earlier when that happened. And you know, it, it's, it's uh, interesting too. Some of you might not know this, but uh, Joshua was of the tribe of Ephraim. And do you know what Joshua's real name was? Hosea. And it was Moses that changed his name to Joshua, which properly pronounced is Yeshua. It means salvation, or God saves. And another person who had the name Yeshua was Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so, just as Jesus leads us into salvation and leads us into the throne room of God by his you know, sacrificial death on the cross, at this point, it was kind of like a precursor. God was using Yeshua to lead the children of Israel into their promised land. Okay, now, but I, I, I wholly followed the Lord my God. Verse 9, So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden, in other words, the land they spied out, shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord your God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said these 45 years... So, in other words, 40 years they wandered in the wilderness, 
And now these 45 years from that time that the spies came back with a good report means at this point they've been in the promised land five years. This is chapter 14. They've been in the promised land five years. Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85. Okay, so we know that Minus five years from when they first went in. He's been in the area, in the promised land for five years. He was 80. But listen to what he says about being 85. I like this. As yet, I am as strong as the day is on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Isn't that awesome? And brothers and sisters, it doesn't make any difference how old you are doesn't make any difference what infirmities you're facing. God is still able to use you. You might not have the strength that you always have physically, but I guarantee you, you still have the strength spiritually to do whatever the Lord is calling you to do. It's absolutely amazing. Now let's go down to our portion, Joshua chapter 1, and I'm going to start off by reading verses 1 through 4. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, be, therefore, arise and go over the Jordan, you know, into the promised land, you and all the people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. So who gave the children of Israel this land? God. You know what that means? They're not occupiers. This is their land. God gave it to them. Verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and of the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Now, what's interesting is because of lack of faith, when they went in, to the land, and we're supposed to possess all the land here that, that the Lord laid out for them to own, they didn't ever possess all that land out of fear because they were afraid you know, of, of some of the enemies that they faced, and it prevented them from taking all the land they were supposed to take. They never took all that land until the dynasty of David, and David is called a man after the Lord's own heart. And if you take notes, write down 2 Samuel... 8.3, and Second Chronicles 9.26, and you'll find that these lands that Joshua and the children of Israel never took, David did. Interesting. The purpose of God, we have to understand, never skips the beat. When Moses died, God had Joshua to pick up right where Moses left off to bring the people into the promised land. And I believe the Lord always has someone prepared in their wings for a ministry. And um, the Lord is never going to leave his people without a shepherd. That's an awesome, wonderful promise. The Lord's work is never hindered or slowed down by the frailty of the flesh. Did you know that? We all have frailty. It's not, we're not, not just talking about old age. We all have frailty. We have sicknesses. Not even just talking about that. But we have weaknesses, spiritually weaknesses, you know, uh, socially. We have so many things that we deal with. We all have weaknesses. That doesn't hinder the work of the Lord. 
If you give yourself to the Lord, he'll take those weaknesses and end up turning them around and making them into strengths that you might be able to be his witness wherever you go. It's an unbelievable thing. Now, uh, the work of any ministry, we have to understand, listen to this, the work of any ministry is not based on man, but the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, the power of any ministry is not determined by a man, but by the working of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and I love it that the Lord, the Lord is never hindered by our, our frailty, because he works through us. That's why we work together. I might be weak in one area, and you're strong in that area. We all are one body. Now, the only credit that I can take for the ministry of Green Calvary Chapel is obeying the voice of the Lord. It's the only credit I can take. In other words, there's no credit to me. You know, I'm using that in a, a kind of a sarcastic way, the only credit. No, there's no credit I can take. It was just the leading of the Lord. And um, whenever God calls, we need to heed his voice and follow. And, you know, maybe the Lord isn't calling you to, um, you know, start a church, but the Lord's calling you to do something. I know he's calling you to do something, but that's because that's according to his word. What is it? I don't know. Wherever you are, you can be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, even when I was in the hospital, I had this one nurse came in and sat with me for almost an hour asking me questions about, you know, salvation and the Lord and family and marriage, and, 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 and it was awesome. And then I even had one of the hospital administrators come in because he heard my name was Frank Thomas. You know, Frank, he was a big baseball fan. You know, Frank Thomas for the White Sox, the big hurt. And so he wanted to come in. Oh, is this, this Frank Thomas? You know. Anyway, I had a great talk with him. And then when I was discharged uh, last Saturday, we were walking out of the hospital. He came running behind me, caught up to us right by, to give me his card. My point is, wherever we are, we can be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's why we always have to be prepared in season and out of season. But sometimes we get so caught up with ourselves, it's hard for us to minister to anyone else because we're so caught up in our own you know, problems and difficulties we're facing. Now, if we are obedient to the Lord, just like it says in this portion here, every place that the sole of our foot treads upon, we can accomplish the Lord's will. Because we have to realize that so often when we are walking in obedience to the Lord, we don't even realize the full purpose of what God is doing. You know what I mean. You've had those situations where you, you feel the Lord's leading you this way, or you really think you should be doing this, or I, I really feel like I should be doing that. And then you obey the Lord to go wherever it is, and he accomplishes way more than you ever thought. You didn't even realize what he had out there for you to do. And he just opens up all these doors and all these avenues. And so we have to be willing, just like the children of Israel, to just tramp through this world, through this life. And wherever the soles of our foot land, the Lord can use it for his you know, glory if we're willing to just be his witnesses everywhere we go. That's why I love Ephesians 3, if you want to turn there, chapter 20. Or, I'm sorry, Ephesians 3, verse 20. It's hard to go to Ephesians 3, chapter 20, isn't it? There's no third Ephesians. But uh, Ephesians 3, verse 20. And I, I love this verse. This is uh, 
one of those verses that we should go back to and meditate on from time to time. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And I'm going to read verses 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Look at what he's saying here. He is able to work exceedingly and abundantly. I mean, he's, he's reiterating it. Above all that we ask and think according to what? The power that works in us. And that power, of course, is the Lord. And the next verse is, uh, to him be glory in the church of Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever it says amen i mean so be it it shall be forever and ever in other words it hasn't ended oh i i wish i could have been there for the first century church and would have been one of those well you're here for the last century church you're here whatever century you're in you're here as god's witness and he can do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we can think or imagine he is able to work in us forever in his church. It's amazing. Now to go, go to verse 5 of this chapter. No man should be able to stand before you. And um, the, the actual Hebrew there it, it indicates no man is able to, stand, to oppose you. When it says no man is able to stand before you, it doesn't mean stand in front of you. It means no man is going to be able to oppose you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this um, people you shall divide an inheritance, the land which I swore to the fathers to give to them. Only be strong, be courageous, and um, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. In other words, when God has given you a direction, he's showing you what you need to do, don't deviate from it. There's all kinds of roadblocks and people that are going to be out there trying to encourage you. Well, well man, maybe you should do it this way. No, maybe you should do that. No, maybe you should. No, no, no. When the Lord is leading you, don't deviate from the right or the left. You just follow him. That you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. We need to meditate in the Word of God. And, um, you know, we read, but do we meditate on it? What does that mean? That you read the Word of God and you go, oh, oh. That's, that's not what we're talking about. In other words, when you read a portion of Scripture, think about it. Not only what does it mean, what is it saying to you? I mean, there are times when you're going through Scripture, at least I'm sure all of you have experienced this, where you're reading and just really enjoying what you're reading, and all of a sudden you come across a portion that's like, bam! And man, you, you're, you're just meditating on that. Because God's speaking something to you. He speaks to us through His Word. We speak to Him in prayer, and He speaks to us through His Word, and the result is life. The life we live for Him. Um, for then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Verse 9, for I have not uh, uh, commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And we have to understand, as God was with the saints of the past, he will never leave or forsake us either. You know, we look at the saints of the past and we can't 
even imagine the faith that they had to go through what they went through. If you've never read Fox, if you've never read Fox's book of martyrs, you need to. But you can't read a lot of it at once. It's pretty disturbing, and it's the actual account of uh, martyred saints all through the the centuries that were put to death simply for their faith. They could have been released just by saying, "I deny Jesus," but they wouldn't, and they died. And for instance, during the the Roman Inquisition, thirty-six million people were put to death just during that. But there is inquisitions that go way back before that. And so we have to understand that we have to stand strong in the Lord, that we can have that kind of courage and that kind of faith. Turn to Hebrews 13.5. Hebrews 13.5. And Hebrews 13.5 might seem like, why is he bringing this up? Because I think this is one of the things that dissuades us from doing all that we can for the Lord. And, and it takes our attention away. But in um, Hebrews 13, 5, it says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. In other words, we always want more, more, more. We always want more. Be content with what you have. You know, hopefully none of us ever have, you know, envy over people that have more than we do. We shouldn't, because we actually all have the same thing that's of great value, and that's Jesus Christ. There's not a greater treasure any of us can have. And so the things of this world, God might give some people more and some people less. It makes no difference, and we should never be jealous of that. We should be thankful that the Lord is working you know, through them. And that's why he goes on to say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And listen. When he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, never means never. Even in death or a very disturbing you know, political climate. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Our hope is not in elections. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and all the promises he's given us. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, well, you know, if this, oh, this happens or this happens, then what difference does it make? Jesus Christ is still on the throne. He determined, for, he knows, the, he knew the, the end right from the beginning, it tells us. He knows exactly how things are going. And here's the one thing I know. Well, uh, what do you think is going to happen? Here's what I think is going to happen. We're coming to a place that the Lord's going to take us out of this world. It's called the rapture. Taken from the Latin word raptos, which means to be caught up. And we get that word from Thessalonians. We should be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Raptos. Rapture. And we know we're coming to that day. And people say, well, how do we know? Every generation, you know, from the time of Peter, you know. Which is true. Every generation should be um, having that hope. It's called the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We should all have that hope. But... There's one word that can show you that we're in the last days, and that word is Israel. Never, ever before in the history of mankind have you had a people that were scattered throughout the world, throughout the world, and never lost their identity as 
being Jews, as being Hebrews, and never lost their language and their identity. And that was necessary because when God scattered them, he scattered them in disobedience. He told them that's why. You know, when you read Ezekiel, we all say, read Ezekiel 38. Go back to Ezekiel 34. Because it talks about the reason they were scattered. It talks about them being regathered together. Them coming alive again in what we call Zionism. Them bones and bones and dry bones. Hip bones connected to the leg bone. That's actually in the scriptures. You know, uh, Ezekiel's seeing this vision of all these bones coming together for the army of Israel. And then you get into Ezekiel 37 where they're going to be occupying the land. And Ezekiel 38 talks about the last days, the end of days. You're going to have all these nations coming from the north to attack Israel. And the nations that are mentioned, if you take the ancient name and put it to their modern name, it's Russia and it's Iran and it's uh, uh, Lebanon and it's Turkey and all these nations and others. Read Ezekiel 38. And they're there right now. They're there right now. And when these nations finally come against Israel, when there seems to be no opposition to them, when these nations come against Israel, Almighty God is going to supernaturally destroy them. Well, how do you, why do you, you really believe that? Yeah. Because the Bible is one-third prophecy. It's the only holy book that has prophecy in it. And I've shared this with you before. And you can read all the holy books that Quran, the Bhagavad Gita, and the writings of Confucius. You can read all these holy books that, that are out there. Anyone you want to read, they don't have prophecy in it. And the reason they don't is because it's not of God. Because if you give a prophecy in some holy book and it doesn't come to pass, people are going to say, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. But every prophecy in the Word of God has come to pass. If you get some ancient commentaries, I won't give you the name. I don't want to sound like I'm being despairing to that, those authors because they're some of my favorite commentaries. But some of these ancient commentaries go back to, not ancient, but they go back to like the 1800s that I use. They actually say when it comes to those portions of Israel that it is to be taken spiritually because there's no way God can bring them back into the land. Guess what? The commentators were wrong God was right. God's always right. And here they are, back in the land. They speak the ancient Hebrew language there. It's absolutely amazing. And the thing that's really amazing, too, is how Christianity is growing in Israel. If you want to listen to some amazing music, and it's called uh, Messianic Praise 1 and 2 and so forth, but it's called Messianic Praise, right? Oh, mess I almost had it right. Messianic Jewish Alliance of Israel. I think on the, on, on the YouTube it's MJA, right? Messianic Jewish Alliance of Israel. These are all believers in Yeshua. These are all believers singing these beautiful songs to the Lord Jesus Christ and to his salvation in the Hebrew language. And when you look at that choir, every ethnic group is there in that choir, and they're all Jews because you actually have to have a DNA test in order to be able to come in to be a citizen of Israel, to come from all these nations. Was that prophesied? Yes, there it is. 
All the nations that gather against Israel, there it is. This generation shall not pass till all these things have been completed. And so one day very soon, all these nations are going to come against Israel. God's going to supernaturally intervene and not only destroy those armies coming against Israel, but he's also going to, to destroy their capitals and those living safely in the coastlands. Read, read Scripture. Read Revelation. And um, then what happens is the rapture. And right after the rapture, God's wrath is going to be poured out on the earth. And why after the rapture? Because he has not appointed us, his church, his bride, to his wrath, but to salvation. And so when we're gone, it's going to happen. Here's the good news, even with the tribulation. And you've heard me share this before, and I believe it with all my heart. The greatest revival the world has ever seen will be during the tribulation. Because all of these crazies like you and I who are sharing with people about salvation and about the rapture, when the rapture comes, however they try to explain it, when the rapture comes and people are saying, oh, it was alien abduction or whatever they might, might come up with, there are going to be many people saying, that religious fanatic that I knew, this is exactly what he said is going to happen. And then there's a great revival. And even one-third of all the Jews come to know Messiah as their Savior at this time. It's absolutely amazing. <clears throat> and we have to remember um, the words of the Lord. What did he say? In this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. In this world you have tribulation. You know what I mean? We, we are body, right, soul, and spirit. Our body is this external, you know, anatomical structure that we use in order to carry ourselves around and to interact with our environment and with other people. But our soul is our self-identity. It's who we are. And I've sh shared with you, you're not going to get to heaven and say, who am I? When you get to heaven, you're going to know who you are. It says you shall know and be known. In other words, we're going to know each other. And then we have the spirit that outside of Jesus Christ is dead and only an alive spirit can go to be with the Lord in heaven. And so when we're born again, it says our spirit is quickened in the old King James. The word quickened means to be made alive. And then we have that promise that we're going to be with the Lord for all eternity. So we have to remember that in this world, we're going to, going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer. We're going to have all eternity with the Lord. And guess what? It's going to be praise and worship. And there'll be no more tears, Scripture says, no more sorrow. You know, the, the latter things will not be remembered. I don't think we're going to be in heaven. This is my personal feeling. I don't think we're going to be in heaven and be thinking, oh, gosh, remember when such and such happened? I don't think we're going to be thinking any of that. They're going to be gone. It's going to be the presence of the Lord and, and worshiping with one another, knowing and knowing one another. It's going to just be joy, amazing. Absolutely amazing. And then uh, in verses uh, 10 through 15, it's all about being prepared for the direction and the battles that the Lord is leading us into and that we might have complete victory. Because it's not a Christian virtue to never make plans or preparations. Some people say, well, I'm just trusting the Lord. I'm just going to sit here, and when the Lord leaves me, I'll go. Well, guess what? If you're just sitting, 
He just can't lead you anywhere. You've got to be up in your feet and moving. You know, there used to be an old saying that you young people won't understand, but I'll explain it to you. It's a lot easier to steer a moving car than it is a car standing still. Now, believe it or not, some of my age goes way back before power steering. And when I say power steering, you young people don't even know what I'm talking about because you've never known anything but power steering. But the old days, when a car was sitting still, if you wanted to turn the wheel, it was literally... And you turn your steering wheel, and you could hear the wheels going... But when the car was going down the road, you could steer it with one finger. So that's where we get the saying, it's a lot easier to steer a moving car than one standing still. So if you're sitting, it's a lot easier for the Lord to lead you when you're walking, when you're moving, when you're going in the direction he's calling you to. Because um, there's, there are those who just sit back and say, well, I'm just trusting in the Lord. Well, if you trust in the Lord, then get up and walk. Run after him. Because maybe the Lord is leading you to make preparations for the battles in the conquest that he has for you to fight. They might not be physical battles and conquests. They might be spiritual. They might be whatever. But we have to be prepared for the battles God has. God has battles for every one of us. You don't go through this life and just say, wow, you're, you've, you're going to have personal battles, you're going to have battles, all kinds of battles that you're facing. But you have to trust the Lord through it all because the Lord is leading you right now to make preparations for those battles. Because it's naive to go through life without ever being willing to make preparations for the victory the Lord has called us to walk in. Because the Lord's desire for our lives is to give us rest. Not everything we want, but to give us rest. So it's not everything we want, it's not even safety. The Lord hasn't promised us safety, He hasn't promised us wealth, He hasn't promised us that we just can sit in our laurels and have rest. He has promised us that He is going to give us rest in our heart. Rest in our heart. And that's the greatest rest you can find. Because everything's crazy around you. Have you ever noticed, here's, here's life, okay? Either you're going into a valley, you're in a valley, or you're coming out of a valley, then you're going into a valley. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? It'd be nice if you got saved and life was just, but it's not. You get saved and life is, it is. And that's the reason we always have to be at rest in the Lord. And the greatest rest you can have in the Lord is the Word of God. Because when you have difficulties, even with one another, the answer isn't who has the loudest voice or who has the most rational thinking. The answer is, what does God want you to do? What does God's Word say? That's the answer. Now, in Matthew, if you want to turn there, chapter 11, we're getting close to the end. Matthew chapter 11, and go to verse, verse 29 and 30. Matthew 11, and go to verse 29. And verse 29 says, Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Listen, for my yoke is easy, 
and my burden is light. So in other words, there is a yoke and there is a burden, but in faith it's made easy. None of us go through this life. Oh, I've never had a problem in my life. There's a time to be meek and submissive, and there's a time to be men and women of valor, especially when the culture goes against the Word of God. And we're living in a time the culture has gone against the Word of God. And it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. You know that. I mean, our Christian values are considered hate crimes. And it's only going to get worse. So what do we do? Well, I've got to fight the government in order to get Christian values accepted. No, you've got to be a witness for Jesus Christ. You've got to get out there and share your faith and, and, and bring people to the salvation of God because the time is coming. You know, work while it's daylight, for nighttime is coming when no man can work. And we must consider uh, what battles the Lord has laid out that we might fight, that we might have the victory. Because understand, God never calls us to defeat. God always calls us to victory. But the victory in the battles we're fighting might not be what we think. You know what I'm saying? You might share your faith with someone and they flip you off and tell you to go someplace and that person can't stop thinking about what you said. And that person eventually comes to the Lord and you'll never know it. But they will. And I remember, I, I don't want to, but I will. <laughs> I shared this with you before, and uh, I, I can't remember what book. You know, I, I've read so many books, but it's the account of a, a young Salvation Army girl back in the 1890s, and uh, she was in Hyde Park in England passing out tracts, and she was only 16 years old. And this professor came walking by from Cambridge, and she gave him a tract, and he looked at it, and he ripped it up and put it in his pocket, because he wouldn't litter even back then. And he put it in his pocket, and... Uh, he goes off telling her, who do you think you are? I'm, a, you know, have a, da, da, all this education, da-da-da-da-da. And she said, but sir, all I know is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Oh, that's possible. And he gave her all kinds of arguments again, and, and she just kept saying that. And he left, and she was crying, thinking she was the, a horrible, horrible failure. Well, that professor goes home, and he can't go to sleep. He's so troubled by that simple statement that girl was making, that young 16-year-old girl was making, making so troubled, he took all the pieces out of his pocket on his bed, and he put them together to read it, and he got saved and ended up being one of the greatest proponents, intellectual pr proponents for Christ in England. So don't ever be discouraged. You might think you lost a battle. Maybe you didn't. Trust in the Lord. In verses 16 and 18, this is what we're finishing with. So they answered Joshua saying, All that you command us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we heed at Moses in all things, we will also heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words in all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. See, the sign of a good leader is one who is able and willing 
to take orders from his superiors. And as believers, our superior is Jesus Christ. And the Lord's ability to lead us is only as good as our willingness to be led. Oh, Lord, don't lead me in that direction. No, Lord, I don't want to go there. Our only response should be, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way, that old praise song we used to sing or hymn, whatever it was. But that should be our only, yes, Lord. Do I want to go there? No, but yes, Lord, you're leading me there, okay. And also, it's not enough to be willing to die for the Lord, but it's to be willing to live for the Lord. Sometimes it's harder to live for the Lord than it is to die for the Lord. And um, when we're living for the Lord, we have to be courageous. I'm being honest with you, brothers and sisters. You all know what I'm talking about when I share this. There are people and places where you just keep your mouth shut about Jesus Christ because you don't want people to be offended or get mad at you. Now, I'm not saying you walk into work and say, Hey, turn or burn, you sinners! You know, that's not going to do you any good. But what I'm saying is to have that willingness of heart, whether it's at work, whether it's at school, wherever it is that the Lord places you, to have that willingness of heart to open up and share. Because one of the things I can promise you, if you're willing to, the opportunity will come. And understand, souls are one, one person at a time. And so you don't have to lead your whole office or your whole class or whatever it is to the Lord. Just lead one person. And the Lord will give you the opportunity. So this book of Joshua is very encouraging for you and I. Father, thank you, Heavenly Father, for this portion of Scripture and for this book. And I pray, Lord, that you would use it to encourage us in our walk with you, that we would never leave you nor forsake you. And Father, I pray that you would bless our time downstairs with our graduates as well, that they might be encouraged in you. And uh, Father, I thank you for this church family whom you love and I love so much. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be your witnesses in these last days when things seem to be getting darker and darker, and yet your light shines. And so use us, Lord, to minister to the world, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, my friends.